Thank you for tuning in to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to a church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. We would love for you to join us. Stay tuned this summer as we have some big announcements coming up about the future of Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. Happy Father's Day, Collective. Much like Mother's Day, this is probably not exactly how you expected to celebrate this holiday. But for all the dads out there, we hope you feel honored today. For everyone who's celebrating their dad, we hope you have fun. For everyone who's mourning the loss of their father, we hope your day is full of pleasant memories. Ultimately, no matter how you spend this day, we hope it is full of joy. Also, thank you to everyone who came out yesterday to Nimeo Field to grab a beer from Vanish or a soda from the pop shop. It was so great seeing you. Many of you took the time to honor your father, honor your husband, honor a neighbor who's a father, honor a father that you wish was still with us, or to simply come and see us, which was so good. Our hope is that this, is, this can become somewhat of a tradition, and every year we can do something special for Father's Day, much like we do something special for Mother's Day. We also have something really cool planned for mid-July, so stay tuned, and we'll share about that in the coming weeks. All right, let's jump into today's teaching. So I have a bunch of siblings. As my dad puts it, he has six fun kids. I'm the second born, and my older brother is four years older than me. And because of our age gap, we never really got to go to school together outside of elementary school. So when I entered high school, he had just graduated but we ended up having some of the same teachers at Parkview High School in Sterling, Virginia. One of them was a man named Mr. Zangla. I remember walking into Mr. Zangla's class on my first day of ninth grade. And as he was going through the role, he called my name, Michael Bartlett. And then he paused for a second. Bartlett, Bartlett. He looks at me and goes, did I teach your brother? And if you had an older sibling, you know that this question immediately brings fear. Is this a trap? Did you like my brother? Did you hate my brother? How do I answer this question? A few years later, my sister was a freshman and she walked into the ninth grade English class taught by Mr. Zangla. And the same thing happened to her. Jennifer Bartlett? Jennifer Bartlett? Jennifer Bartlett? Any relation to Michael and Christopher Bartlett? And Jennifer had been through this before because she's actually only two years younger than me. So she had the same fear that I did. Did you like my brothers? Did you hate my brothers? Did you like one and hate the other? How do I answer this question? It's tough being a sibling. It's tough being a sibling when people only know you because of your older brother or sister. I mean, imagine being Frankie Jonas. That's a real person. Frankie is the youngest Jonas brother. And while most of you probably know Nick, Kevin, and Joe, and they make up the band called the Jonas Brothers... They have a younger brother that's clearly the forgotten Jonas. Or how about Luke Hemsworth? You've got Liam Hemsworth, a.k.a. Gale from The Hunger Games. You've got Chris Hemsworth, a.k.a. Thor. But they have an older brother named Luke that you probably haven't heard of before. But here's the crazy thing about that. He's also an actor. He's just overshadowed by his two younger brothers. And this one's probably my favorite. 
There's a show called Property Brothers that a ton of you watch with these twins who renovate and sell homes. But they have another brother named JD who's a David Bowie impersonator, which kind of makes sense why he isn't on the show. Right? Being a sibling isn't the easiest. It's even harder when your sibling gets all the attention and you end up being the brother of or the sister of. And in the Bible, there's multiple sets of, sets of siblings that we learn about. But today we're talking about a pair of siblings where one is possibly the most famous person in the Bible outside of Jesus and the other sibling, well, he's just the brother of Moses. Now, even if you're new to church, you've probably heard of Moses before. Moses is arguably a top five person in the Bible. He's in the Bible Character Hall of Fame. No, seriously. In Hebrews 11 in the New Testament, it's essentially a who's who of the Bible. And check out what the author writes about Moses in Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Right? This wasn't even Moses' doing, it was his parents, but he got the shout out. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. So Moses refused the comforts of wealth and royalty because he couldn't turn a blind eye to the oppression of the Israelites who were his people. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Moses trusted God, even though he knew there would be consequences. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. Moses trusted God and was a good leader. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Moses trusted God and led the people of Israel to freedom. Moses had great faith. He stood up to the Pharaoh in Egypt. He led the Israelites out of slavery. He led them across the Red Sea. He led them through the wilderness and to the brink of the promised land. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. And the thing is that what Moses wrote guided God's people for thousands of years until Jesus came. For a long time, Moses was the dude. But there would be no Moses without Aaron, his older brother. You see, when God first spoke to Moses through a burning bush, Moses was hesitant. He told God that he couldn't lead the Israelite people because he wasn't an eloquent speaker. In fact, he had a stutter. So God came up with a solution. And this is what happened in Exodus 4. What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you right now. He will be delighted to see you. Now, I love this move by God. He goes, what about your brother? And look, he's walking to you right now. Okay, God, we get it. You set the whole thing up. How convenient. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I'll instruct you both in what you do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. So God tells Moses that he and Aaron can work together, that God will speak to them both. Aaron will give the speeches and Moses will lead. They're a team. This isn't a sidekick scenario. This isn't Batman and Robin. 
It isn't Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. It isn't Maverick and Goose. They are in this together. They're a team. They're equals. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. So Aaron does the talking, and Moses does the miracle-ing. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. So what happened? If it was originally Moses and Aaron, how does Moses end up in the Hall of Fame? And Aaron isn't even mentioned. You see, somewhere along the line, Moses took the lead and Aaron ended up being known as Moses' big brother. I mean, he barely even got a line in the Prince of Egypt. Over time, Aaron slid into the background and his little brother became the guy that everybody talked about. Aaron's role changed. And this happens to us all the time, right? You get a new boss or a department chair and your job title changes. One of your coworkers gets a promotion and you're still in the same role. You were a leader, but you're not anymore. You get married and are no longer single. One of the things I tell newlyweds when they're about to get married is that marriage is tough because your role changes, right? Which seems obvious, right? But before you're married, life is all about you. What you want to do, where you want to go, what you want to eat. To be honest, you're selfish. And not in a totally bad way, but in a way that you only really have to worry about yourself. And then you get married. And one of the first things you realize when you get married is that it isn't all about you anymore. So you and your spouse have to figure out how to do life together, how to communicate, how to compromise, how to not be the most important person in every scenario. And then what happens is you actually get comfortable choosing together what you want to do and where you want to go and what you want to eat. And then you have kids. And that throws it for a loop because you and your spouse realize that you are actually selfish together. So you have to learn how to communicate and how to compromise and how to not be the most important person in every scenario because your roles have changed. And that's what happened to Aaron. Over time, Moses becomes the leader of the Israelite people and Aaron becomes one of Moses's leaders. But the best thing about Aaron is that he doesn't pout about it. He doesn't sit in the corner and refuse to help. He doesn't go to his mom and his dad and tell them that things need to change because he's the older brother and Moses is the little brother. Aaron realizes that his role has changed and he chooses to make the biggest impact possible within that new role. And I think this is what makes Aaron so relatable. Even though he isn't the top guy, even though he isn't in charge, even though he might not be in the role that he actually wants to be in, he chooses to play his part. I mean, that's what this whole series is about. Us choosing to play our part in impacting the world because God uses ordinary people just like us. And Aaron's story doesn't stop there. Check this out. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible in Exodus 17. While the people of Israel were still in Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. So the people of Israel are attempting to get into the promised land, which ended up being a 40-year journey. And during this time, other nations attacked them, including the Amalekites. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, 
the Amalekites gained the advantage. Right, so Moses is standing on top of this hill and he's holding his staff in the air. And while he does that, the Israelites are winning. But you can imagine how exhausting that would be. Right, and so when Moses' arms begin to fall, his people, right, the people he led out of slavery, the people he led across the Red Sea, the people he's leading to the promised land, the people that he is choosing to care for, when his arms go down, they begin to lose. They begin to die. No pressure, right? Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. Here's the first thing I want to point out today, and I think you should write this down. Take a screenshot something. People are tired. People are tired. You are tired. I am tired, especially right now. We might not be holding up a staff and leading an army, but people are doing everything they can to pay their bills to lead and teach their children, to stay connected to their friends, to care for their community, to invest in their church. All the while trying to do this from home with a lack of clarity, with physical distancing while wearing a mask. People are doing their best, but they are tired. So what do we do? Right? What do we do when the people around us feel like they're losing the fight that they're in? What do we do when they can't hold their arms up any longer? What do we do when the people that we care about are tired? Check out what happens next. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. When the people around us are tired, we lift them up. Right? The Israelites win, but only because of Aaron and her. Sure, it was Moses holding the staff and God gave him the staff and the power that came with it. But without Aaron and her holding up Moses' arms, they never would have won. So are you willing to be the type of person who holds up the arms of the people around you? Your spouse, your friends, your neighbors. People are tired. We're tired. Are you willing to be the type of person who holds up the arms of the people around you? Are you humble enough? Let me ask that again. Are you humble enough? Because imagine what this moment was like for Aaron. Right, let's be honest. If you have siblings, you love your siblings, but you don't actually want them to be the smarter sibling. Right, you don't actually want them to be the more athletic sibling. You don't actually want them to make more money than you. Right? You want to be the best sibling. Right? You secretly want your parents to think that you are their favorite. And listen, don't pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. If you have siblings, you know exactly what that is. Right? And this doesn't mean you don't want what's best for your siblings. It simply means you want what's better for yourself. It's called sibling rivalry. Right? Don't tell me that Frankie Jonas isn't a little bit jealous about his brother's success. Right? They started a band, called it the Jonas Brothers, and it doesn't even include all the brothers. Are you humble enough to play the role of Aaron? Or do you have to be Moses in every situation? Let me ask it like this. Do you lift others up? Even if you don't get credit, even if you aren't considered the hero, do you lift others up? Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is an expectation. Lifting others up, supporting others, caring caring for others. We are Aaron and her. 
We lift up the arms of the people we love, our spouses, our friends, our kids. We lift up the arms up the arms of our community, our church, our schools, the communities that are disenfranchised. And here's the, here's the thing, and this is really important. Your greatest impact on this world might be through supporting other people. Your greatest impact on this world might be through supporting other people. Parents, it's kind of fitting that today's Father's Day. Our greatest impact on this world might be our children and how we raise them. This world needs change. This world needs better leaders. This world needs more empathy and innovation. It needs more people who follow Jesus and lead from that foundation. And our children can be the ones who do that. And as parents, we need to support them and encourage them. This is why I brag about the collective team as much as I do. If you love this church, it's not because of me, right? I might be the leader of collective. I might be the space you see on most Sundays, but I have an amazing staff of people who constantly hold me up. And there are 130 people who make up the collective team who support them. The reason why this church is such a special church is because it's full of people who choose to lift others up. Right? We choose to serve and create space for other people to bump into Jesus, who choose to give sacrificially so people and organizations in our community can be lifted up. I've worked for four churches over the past 11 years, and I've never seen a group of people care for each other the way that these people do. They're humble, they are hardworking, they care more about you than you will ever know. And they want nothing more than for you to experience the life that Jesus offers, even at the cost of themselves. They are a group of an ordinary people who do the extraordinary. Your greatest impact on this world might be through supporting other people, right? Maybe it's you leading other people to Jesus. It's you coaching a younger coworker who can grow in their role. It's you lending your time to support boys and girls in the community who need mentors. It's you using your talents and resources to care for other people. And the truth is you might not get any glory for it. They might end up in the Bible hall of fame and your name is nowhere to be found. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with not being the most important person in the room? I mean, imagine if Aaron chose not to help Moses, right? What if he was jealous of the attention that Moses got? What if he wanted to be holding the staff so he refused to help? What if he didn't like the role that God put him in so he chose not to participate? In this story, people would have died. While it might not be that serious in our lives right now, if people are tired and hurting and we choose not to lift them up, what happens? What happens? Now, here's the deal. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to carry others' burdens. You are called to pick others up when they fall. You are called to lift up the weary and the tired. But let's not forget that the only place to find true, unending, soul-satisfying rest is through Jesus. Jesus says this in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. All who are tired, all who are worn out, all who are burdened, all who are carrying more than they can carry, Jesus will give you rest. 
Doesn't that sound good? And don't miss this. When Jesus talks about a yoke, he's saying, why don't you hitch your life up to mine? Right? Why don't we do this life together? You don't have to go ahead of me and you don't have to go behind me. Let's walk side by side so I can carry the weight for you and you can experience something better than the physical rest of your body. You can experience rest for your soul. Right? That's what Jesus offers every single person. Rest. So even in the hard times, even when life isn't going the way you expected it to, even when your arms are tired and you can't seem to hold them up any longer, your soul can be without burden. And for those of you who have never actually taken the step of choosing that rest from Jesus, why wait? Jesus wants you to live freely and lightly and all you have to do is simply let him be your leader and your forgiver to put your faith in Jesus and celebrate that through baptism, just like Megan did earlier this week. We're about to celebrate Megan's baptism. Before we do that, uh, Megan's going to repeat the confession of faith. And this is something that everybody says at Collective before they get baptized. And it comes from a uh, relationship and a conversation between Peter and Jesus. And Jesus asks Peter, like, who do you say I am? Like, who do you personally believe that I am? And Peter responds, you're the Savior. You're the Messiah. And it's the thing that made Jesus different than everybody else. It wasn't just that he was a teacher or a good person. It was that he came to rescue us. He came to save us from ourselves and from our own sin and from our own brokenness. And so when people get baptized at Collective, we have them repeat those words. And so Megan's going to do that right now. So go ahead and repeat after me. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. My Lord. My Lord. And my Savior. And my Savior. On that confession of faith, and now baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> People are tired. We are tired. You are tired. But rest is possible through the community of people who choose to lift each other up and through the love of a Savior who gave up his own life so that we could experience true rest for our souls. Let's pray. God, thank you so much um, that real rest comes from you. God, that rest for our souls. God, that you carry our burdens. God, that you choose to walk alongside us. God, that you, you give us a yoke that's easy to bear because the truth is the burden of this world and the yoke that this world puts on us is way too heavy and we're tired. God, I pray as, as we struggle with this season, God, as we struggle with exhaustion, God, as we continue to hold our arms up and, and hope and pray uh, that we win. God, ultimately, I pray that every single person that calls Collective their church home knows that there's a community of people willing to hold their arms up for them so they can keep going. God, help us be like Aaron. God, God the truth is so many of us want to be Moses. We want to be in charge. We want the attention. We want the glory. We want the name in the Bible. But God, the truth is we're Aaron, we're her. We're the people called to support the other people in our lives. God, so help us do that as individuals. Help us do that as a church. God, we pray that Frederick knows that there's a church called Collective that is constantly trying to lift them back up. God, we pray that every single person that calls Collective their church knows that there's a community of people, a staff, a team, and just individuals who call this their church who are constantly trying to lift each other up, build each other up. God, help us be that church. God, help us feel that strength and that energy from other people. 
But God, ultimately, even when we can't do it anymore, we feel like we can't keep going. God, help us remember that we might be physically tired, but our souls can be unburdened by you. God, help us lean into that this week. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.